Oglek's history lessons were tough for Ruby. They were just as boring as Professor Port's class. More so, in fact, because it was such a boring subject. But what truly made it worse was how quick the teacher was to notice anyone goofing off. There was no chance she could get away with sketching or sleeping when he was around, which meant the small girl had to sit through the grueling two-hour session with nothing but a textbook and his rapid voice for company. It was torture, basically. Cruel, unusual, and well designed for slowly driving her insane. Which is why it was really no surprise when her mind started to wander. She knew Pira would quickly grab her attention if the teacher asked her something. She was cool like that, so there wasn't any real risk. She wondered how her dad and Zui were doing, how the gang packet signal was holding up, would they even really remember her anymore, or had they already replaced her? They sounded pretty jealous in their last few messages to one another, and that had never been a good sign when she first started out at Signal. Being good, being a prodigy, it had just driven people away. Ruby shook her head to dispel such thought. That didn't matter anymore. She had great friends here with Pira, Ren, and Nora. Her big sister still with her too. Along with her team, well, sort of. The jury wasn't just out on whether Weiss actually considered her a friend. The jury was missing, presumed dead. Blake was... yeah. Blake was Blake. It was hard enough trying to figure out if the girl even liked Yang. And why wouldn't she? Yang was awesome. And Jean was a friend too. <sighs> sort of. Ah, why do I have so many sort of friends? Nah. He was definitely a friend, he just wasn't good at expressing it, or at expressing much at all, now that she thought about it. She just wished her partner could get on with him a bit more. A sigh escaped her as she looked towards the tall girl beside her, and then to the blonde boy further down the road. He was slouched over the desk again, fast asleep. Not that it came as a surprise to her, or anyone really. Even Weiss seemed to have not noticed, and she was the strictest person around. Ruby wondered if that was because Weiss had gotten so used to his falling asleep that her brain didn't actually class it as unusual anymore. The smile that had spread across her face at that thought died an ugly breath. If Pira didn't like Jean, did that mean she would ask Ruby to make a choice between them? She said she wouldn't. Pira had pretty much stated flat out. But, Ruby knew from experience that what people said and did were two different things. Maybe she wouldn't do it in a nasty way, but there was a good chance Pyrrha would get upset at him and then try to keep her away. If Ruby then went and defied her, she might be hurt at Ruby too, but if she ignored Jean, he might be hurt. Well, if you even ever felt like that. No, that was silly. He wasn't a machine. He was a normal guy. Of course he would be upset. What was it that Pyrrha had said she didn't like about him? His apathy? Hmm. Why did it have to be something confusing like that? She knew what the word meant, of course. She was 15, not 5. But it wasn't something easy to fix, like not enjoying cookies or thinking the colour red sucked. Not that anyone who fought either of those things even deserved to be fixed. But still, Pira and the rest got really angry at Jean over what he'd done about the Faunus girl. 
I don't get it though. He helped her. Or he got Yang to help her. Isn't that enough? Sure, his reasons for helping her were bad. She got that. But at least he had help, right? That had to count for something. If he hadn't really cared, if he really didn't give a damn about what happened, then he wouldn't have done anything at all. At least, that was what she thought. He did care, he just didn't know how to express it. AKA, he was shy, awkward, a nerd, just like me. Maybe that was why she found it so easy to connect with him. Maybe that was why she had felt that weird feeling of safety when she was sat next to him. Because in a strange way, she kind of understood his silence more than she did small talk. Deep conversations, or Yang forbid, flirting. Not that anyone's gonna flirt with me when I'm two years younger than anyone here. And every girl around me has figures like this. Well, except for Weiss. Not that she would ever dare mention that. She'd seen what the girl had done when Jean had mentioned something like that yesterday. Yep. People might call her awkward, but no one ever called Ruby Rose stupid. At least, she hoped not. Nah. No way. Right? Mr. R? Ruby jumped in her seat, nearly making a complete idiot of herself as she gasped. Pira's hand settled on her arm, and then a second later, as the small girl's breath evened out. Okay, it wasn't her. Unless she'd gotten engaged while she'd been lost in her own head. In a stark contrast to her, which was kind of annoying, Jean didn't so much as flinch when he was awoken. One blue eye blinked, a yawn fought its way past his hand, and then he slowly rose, like some great leviathan bringing itself up from the bottom of the sea. Professor Oblect waited, though, there didn't seem to be much patience in the way the man's fingers tapped his arm. Glad to see you with us, Mr. Ark. Perhaps you can show us how much you studied after our previous lesson. Uh-oh. John had gotten the question wrong last time, and Oblek had warned him that he would ask another. <sighs> sure. John sounded confident, at least. Well then, we were discussing the color revolution in the Atlas, while you were busy catching up on lost sleep? Do you know what Atlas was called before the cover revolution? Yeah, mantle. Good, good, very good. The teacher nodded. And of course, the revolution itself overthrew the old leadership of the kingdom, assuming a council like our own, although now of a strong military command structure. Now, are you able to tell me the name of the man who organized this coup and installment of the new leadership? Weiss looked like she wanted to answer, but wasn't sure if she was allowed to. The stern stare she fixed on her partner seemed to suggest she was trying to telepathically send the answer across. Uh, General... He paused. Erection? Weiss's face hit the desk, while a few people sniggered. No, no, Mr. Ark. The teacher sighed. The coup was led by General Ironwood. The laughter got louder, and Ruby flushed at noticing the similarities. Perhaps a thousand-word essay on the tactics used by General would be better allow you to remember this lesson. I expect it on my desk come Monday. When you say a thousand words... Jean began, somehow ignoring the ferocious kicks of Weiss telling him to be quiet beneath the table. I mean two thousand words, Mr. Ark. The teacher corrected. Would you like me to think on it again? 
knows the... Very good. The man turned back to the board and began to write notes down onto it, orating the entire time. Ruby watched with a forlorn expression as Jean slouched back onto the desk. His team didn't even seem surprised, with Yang just reaching across the paddy's back. A wad of scrunched up papers bounced off the back of his head, followed immediately by laughter. Ruby spun in her seat, eyes flashing as she tried to find the person responsible. A few guys in the rows behind them gave each other high fives, as others continued to laugh. Some even pointed at him, no doubt spouting insults and cruel words. She wanted to go up there and make them stop. Wasn't this a school? Didn't it make sense that people wouldn't know the answer to things? That was why they were here after all. So what was the point in laughing at someone who hadn't been able to answer? She'd been a good student. It was hard not to be with Dad, Uncle, and Yang. But even she'd gotten things wrong every now and then. They laughed at her too. Though she had noted at that time they didn't laugh at other people who made mistakes. The first few weeks of Signal had been the worst. She'd honestly thought about quitting. She'd even spent a dinner or two crying in the toilets. He didn't look like the type who would do that. Plus, there was a big difference between being 12 and 17, so it wasn't that fair of a comparison. But she did wonder if it hurt. He didn't act like it did. In fact, he didn't even seem to notice the people teasing him, even if the rest of his team did. He never seemed to care about it either. But, did that make it true? She tried to pretend it didn't bother her as well. For all the good it had done, Yang had seen through it almost immediately, and though it had taken the older girl a little longer to coax the full story out, she managed it. The bullying had stopped soon after, though for some it had been replaced with reluctant fear. That was Yang though, always coming to her rescue whenever she wanted it or not. She both loved and hated that about her sometimes, though the love always won out in the end. Even when she borrowed her video games and didn't give them back. And then when she did, they were all damaged. No, 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 no. She was focusing on the problem before her, not the unforgiven and definitely unforgotten hours of the past. John acted like he didn't care about what people said about him. That didn't necessarily make it true. What if he was hurting, just like she had been? What if he was sad because he didn't want help? because he didn't think anybody would help. What if he thought they would just watch, like they had with the Faunus girl? Ruby could come to only one conclusion. She was a bad friend. If she wasn't a bad friend, then he wouldn't have to worry about that. And if she was a better friend, or a better person, then that Faunus wouldn't have to worry either. But what was she supposed to do? She was just one person, and it was just about the entire class laughing at Jean. Should she make a scene and draw their attention onto her? That seemed like a bad plan, since it would just end up with the bullying being switched to a new target and not dealt with. She was just too small to stand up to all of them. Sure, she was tough, but this was like 40 or more people. And this wasn't a fight, or if it was, it was a battle fought with words. Ah, words. My biggest weakness. Hey, Pira. Ruby whispered after making sure the teacher wasn't looking. The partner didn't turn from facing the board, but the green eyes did slide over to her. Hmm? How do you stop someone being bullied? 
She asked. Maybe she could have gone to her sister about this. But she already knew Yang's approach and didn't really want to get in trouble for hospitalizing half the class. Bullied? Pira hissed. Eyes chips of hard emeralds. Are you being bullied? She followed Ruby's hidden finger, the girl sighing. Ah, <laughs> ah, I see. It's not something that easy, and I can't say I have all that much experience. Of course, Pyrrha was the invincible girl. There was no way anyone would ever have ever wanted to bully her, or been strong enough to get away with it anyway. But I don't think it's a good idea for you to try and interfere with him. But he's my friend. Ruby pouted, and the girl's eyes went wide. You said you wouldn't- I don't mean because it's him. She said. I would offer advice if I could. It's just, before you can help someone, they have to be willing to help themselves. Help themselves? Ruby asked, but the teacher turning back towards them ended that conversation. The two continued to pretend to pay attention, while Ruby mulled over those words. If anyone could help themselves, then there'd be no need to help anyone, would there? But that wasn't exactly what Pira had said. Did Jean not want help? She looked at him again, and wouldn't Yang have something to say if she knew how much that had been happening lately? Jean was awake now, likely knowing that Oblek had an eye on him, but his eyes were still heavy, and he yawned occasionally. He didn't seem to react to the people who sneered and laughed towards him, though the joke was long gone, many had paused. If Ruby were being honest, it didn't look like he wanted anything, other than sleep, maybe. What had Pyrrha seen that she had not? Why would anybody not want to help themselves when they were being bullied? Did he like it? No. That was silly. If he liked it, then he would be smiling or seeking it out. He gave the cruel words and jeers the same attention he gave those who delivered them. None. Did they not bother him? That didn't seem possible either. Sticks and stones and all that was one thing, but the people who jostled and bumped into him in the corridors? You couldn't not care about people physically knocking you around. If anything, it had to at least annoy him. What kind of person could put up with that kind of negative attention with so little reaction? What person didn't even blink an eye when others spat in your direction? The answer came to her so fast it made her gasp. Somebody who was used to it. Silver eyes softened as they looked over the blank-faced teen. Was this the kind of behaviour so common, so familiar, that he considered it normal? Was that why he didn't show any surprise, shock, or anger? Because to him, a life without this kind of cruelty was the real shock? Was he like this because no one had ever tried to help him? Even back when he had wanted it the most. The thought made her sick. It made her sick and angry. Angry in a way she hadn't felt for such a long time. It was the anger of someone who had once gone through the same, before Yang had come by to save her, as she always did. Jean Arc might not have had anyone who was willing to save him, 
or anyone to show that he should want to help himself. But she swore she would be that person. She would be the best friend she could be. And the next time, she wouldn't sit by and do nothing as someone was bullied. She would make a difference. She was following him. Ruby, that was. He wasn't sure why. Nor did he really want to know. But there she was, keeping pace about 10 or 15 meters behind him. Not that he could mythically sense that, what were the corridors filled of other students. But the way people cocked their heads and asked why she was following him did help a little. Poor Ruby. She still had so much to learn if she wanted to be as sneaky as Blake. You had to remember that following someone was more than just not being seen by the person you were after. She probably wasn't following him on Weiss's orders. Thank the heavens. Because if she was, then he was fairly sure she'd have dragged him off already. The moment the lesson had ended and dinner began, Weiss had gone on about how he was going to have a big meal and then get started on homework. Which had been about the time he'd slip away. At the exact moment she pulled that pose, hands on hips, foot tapping, eyes closed, he was gone. Oh, he was going to suffer for it later, he could tell. But in truth, he just couldn't be bothered with another show at the cafeteria. It wasn't like he was hungry anyway. It had only been four hours since breakfast and he'd had a full bowl of porridge there. While there was probably something cute in the way she kept trying to force feed him, it really wasn't necessary. That and the homework. Yeah, maybe she'd force him to do it later, but right now, he just wasn't in the mood. Better to escape and get some rest rather than lose his temper and snap at her. She was just trying to help him after all, as much as he neither needed it nor wanted it. So fine. If Ruby wanted to follow him then that was fine. She could watch as he went up to the roof, found that nice shady clove around the back of the staircase and went to sleep. It wouldn't be particularly exciting watching, unless she developed some fetish for sleeping people, but hey, if that was what she wanted to waste her lunch hour on, then more the power to her. Her presence did distract him, however, enough so that he only noticed the hand grabbing him by the collar the moment it actually struck. With a mighty heave, he was lifted off the ground and slammed into the lockers. His eyes narrowed. He could grab the hand by the wrist, place his thumb into the joint between the arm and hand and lean forward. The wrist would snap like a twig, that, as if the person didn't scream in pain first. His hand was already in position, his fingers looking around the dead man who held him. It was honestly quite hard to hold back. You. The figure who held him seethed, and John wasn't all that surprised to see the familiar face of Cardin Winchester. Through the bandage across his nose was new addition. Shit. Did I break his nose? <laughs> hey, Carden. Jean waved, not all that concerned with his position. People had gathered around them now, forming a wall of bodies. He could just about make out Ruby through the crowd, the girl struggling to push her way to the front. Blue eyes flicked back to Carden. You look different, buddy. New haircut? You've got a lot of nerves showing your face around here. Uh, actually, I kind of live here, and walk through this corridor just about every day, and also, uh, we have just shared a lesson. 
His words were cut off as his back was pushed further into the lockers, cutting off his airflow. Okay, that was pushing things a little. If Carter tried any more, then he'd be forced to take matters into his own hands. Shut up! The burly teen spat, a glob hitting Jean in the forehead. You think you're so hot with that bullshit you pulled yesterday? My... my what now? Jean asked, reaching up with one hand to wipe the spittle away. Demon qualities? Carden had them. They would come out in time. He couldn't kill the guy yet. He had to resist. That fight. That fight you cheated in. Cheat. Oh, come on. Jean rolled his eyes. Any hunter worth their salt would have taken that loss in stride, maybe even thanked him for the lesson. There was no such thing as cheating in a fight. You did whatever you had to to cause enough pain or injury to make the other person stay down. Just so they didn't do the damn same thing to you! But Cardam wasn't a trained hunter. He had to remember. Cardam was just 17. He was a child. So? What now? Jean asked, I kind of have somewhere to be, so I haven't got time to spend attached to the end of your arm. Walk away, Carden. I am very much not in the mood for this. Things had just continued to stack up, and now he was on the prepense of some serious violence. And Carden was making himself oh so appealing. Oh, you got somewhere to be, Johnny boy? Carden's grin turned ugly. Allow me to help you on your way then, Johnny boy. Before Jean even knew what was happening, two figures had hold of his arms from behind and were dragging him back. He struggled briefly, but stopped when he realized they had a good hold of him. That was the problem with people being trained to fight. When they got hold of you, they got hold good. Maybe he could have broken free on strength alone if he was someone like Yang or he spent time building up his muscles. Not that it mattered. What was Carden going to do to him? Flush his head in a toilet? Oh, the agony. Oh, the true pain. Whatever would he do? Oh. He'd fucking drown to death more times than he could count. But it was no toilet he was destined for. Not when something metallic was opened behind him and he was pushed back into a cramped and confined space. Kurokomor was on a hook beside him was the first sign of his location. The door of the rocket locker slamming was the second. <sighs> Carden. Jean sighed. Come on. This is just silly. Do you have any idea what kind of trouble you'd get in for this? You might be expelled. Which would piss me off, to be honest. Wouldn't it just be his luck for someone else to get expelled? <laughs> See you later. Johnny boy. Carden saluted after he had tapped in some random numbers. Jean felt the locker begin to vibrate and leaned back with a sigh. He wouldn't give them the satisfaction of scratching at the grill. Not when the locker's safety mechanisms had no doubt kicked in and sealed the door. Nobody wanted to tumble out mid-flight after all. <sighs> I should have just broken his arm. He thought to himself as air rushed past. The view outside the locker changing from the school corridor to the bright blue sky. With a slow and inevitable lurch, his momentum paused, well tilting as the locker reached its apex. His stomach gargled in anticipation of the nauseating horror that was to come. 
hundreds of lifetimes. He clenched his stomach. And no cure for motion sickness? Huh, I hate my life. He stumbled from the wreckage and into the soft grass of a cough. Smoke whiffing from the impact of the metal storage unit onto rock and soil. Green trees around him gave away his location. As though the short flight hadn't. Perfect land. <clears throat> his sarcastic quip was interrupted with a steam of breakfast. The vomit dribbling past his fingers as he collapsed to his knees. Okay. Nobody's watching. That's good. That's good. That's good. He coughed once more. Tearing up some grass and chewing on it to get the taste out of his mouth. A spit and wipe of a sleeve later, he looked around the area. Definitely the Emerald Forest, as though the green trees weren't a dead giveaway. He could make out some of the tallest points of Beacon in a distance. It would only take him 40 minutes or so to trek back. And I could trek the opposite way if it wasn't for you. Jean lifted his right foot with a sigh though the anklet was hardly visible beneath his trousers. He wondered if Ospen would believe him if he said he'd gotten lost and accidentally walked back to Ansel. Honestly, it was lucky none of the girls had noticed it the other night. Then again, they probably looked down just far enough to see that he didn't have his trousers on and kept their eyes locked firmly above the waist. Ugh. I really can't be bothered with this. The locker was a bust. They never did take off again. Not that he was sure how the school could keep replacing them so easily. With a put-upon sigh, he pulled Kurokomors out, expecting it for dirt before strapping it to his waist. His guitar came out a second, the same one that his family had gifted him just a few years ago. There was no way he would leave that behind, which just left textbooks and school supplies, all supplied by Beacon and Osborn. And all very expensive. And nothing of value lost here. Jean cheered and slammed the locker door shut. Except for this time, that was. He wanted to catch a quick nap with that. Not exactly something he could do in grim territory. Card and bloody Winchester. I really thought he'd gotten off my case after I humiliated him the other day. Cheating or not. Cardin was the kind of man that respected strength. Surely he'd felt the strength behind that strike. In the recent repeats, Cardin had never even bullied him. Mainly because he made his skills clear from initiation. I guess I forgot all about him, since I hadn't had to deal with him for decades. That could be a problem this time. The bullying was easy to ignore. Compared to what he'd been through in the past, he hadn't been joking with his surprise when Weiss made him first aware. He honestly hadn't noticed that he was even being bullied. Maybe it was the fact that they had pointed it out which made it so obvious, but whatever the case, it had clearly become a bigger problem than he expected. Cardin's the ringleader too. John pushed aside some loose branches as he stepped over a rotten log. Most people will laugh and talk, which is fine, but Cardin's the only one with the guts to actually do anything. Was that a good thing? Did that make the guy brave? Or stupid? Either way, he was going to have to deal with Cardin at some point. And it's not going to be forever full. He grimaced. Another sense of the word. There was no way he was going to make a scene by saving Cardin from an Ursa. But he wasn't willing to up and let the guy die either. 
Not like that. Not for being a bully. If he made sure not to get involved in whatever the asshole was up to, then nothing would come of it. Someone might end up getting stabbed, but it wasn't a big deal. Winchester could have his laughs and life would go on. A growl from nearby caught his attention. The sound was familiar and low. The granite being slowed drawn across the rock. Kuroka Moore's click quietly. Blade loosened in its sheath. Beowulf, his mind noted. There was no fear in that thought. No hesitation. Instead, he calmly waited as the beast circled behind him, remaining in the bushes. No doubt it had been attracted to the crash site and stalked its prey from there. The why and how didn't really matter. The bushes rustled, and with a loud roar no doubt meant to intimidate him, it leapt through the air. Jean turned lazily, catching the sight of it bearing down towards his head. He rolled his eyes, a quick step forward and down. He slipped beneath the beast's trajectory while drawing Kuroko Moors and cutting upwards with one hand. The blade formed a caressing arc of pure silver, metal cutting through fur and muscle with ease. The grim's weight carrying it across the blade as it collapsed to the grass, cut from shoulder to hip. <laughs> Idiot. Jean scoffed as it started to dissolve. They were a threat perhaps to normal people. One had even managed to critically wound him, though he had been both unarmed and without aura at the time but they really were nothing more than common trash. There was a reason completely green students could be fired into a forest filled with them. More growls started to emanate from the trees around him. One hand fell to his sheath, but after a second's pause decided against it. He wouldn't need his shield for this. He was out of shape, not out of practice. Come on then, he called. I've got a nice patch of shade with my name on it back at Beacon, and you're wasting my time. It was always a flip coin as to whether Grin understood human language. They always seemed to react to it, but maybe that was just hatred, even towards the words spoken by them. Either way, the moment had finished, a number of shapes blurred from the tree lines towards him. They were mostly Beowulfs, though a couple of juvenile Nevermore glided above them mindless barbarism. In some way it could be terrifying. It had, would, be when Beacon fell. But that was an isolated event. And the true panic had come from how many, and how the White Fang escorted some grim inside. Too many opponents from too many angles, with dangerous terrorists chipping in and Atlas robots doing what they did best. Messing up. This was nothing like that. A step to the side had the first opponent missing. Jean pushed into broken guard, using the flat of Crocomores to spin the beast around so that it stood between Jean and the next opponent. The Beowulf cried out as its allies' claws pierced into its spine, but it was soon torn away and discarded by its kin. He took the weapon in a two-handed grip, sliding his left hand down to the bottom of the pommel and using it to flick and twist the blade as he deflected a strike to the right. A quick step in, and an elbow to the face staggered the beast, before he completed the motion and drew the blade back across its neck. The head fell back in a burst of gore, its new and tiny thread of muscle or that held it in one piece. But, he had already turned to the next foe, reacting to an angry squawk as he battled a Nevermore out of its dive. 
It hit the ground in a cloud of dust. I heard a crunch as his boot slammed down onto its back, carrying him and the sword into the ribcage of another lupine monster. Drew and Flick, blood splattering behind, only to spin and slice. A slender clawed arm cartwheeling through the air, stepped to the left, cut down, withdraw, flourish, and deflect, then slide between the third and fourth rib. A quick turn to push the impaled enemy into its brethren, even as his spine came up to catch a nevermore by the beak and slam its body into the breastplate in an explosion of feathers. A guttural laugh bubbled from his lips. Gods. They were a joke, weren't they? This is what hunters had been raised to kill for generations. And they had gotten damn good at it too. In the end, it was never Grim which did them in, at least. Not on their own. People call you monsters. He smiled and shook his head, looking over the disappearing enemies. But really, it's us who are the real monsters. It was people like Cinder and Adam, like Tortric and Neo who were the beasts that killed hundreds, thousands of innocent people. It wasn't mindless, muscle charging into its death over and over like the one he stepped into, using brute force to bat its arm aside before his shoulder cracked it into a tree. It roared in displeasure, but he soon put a stop to that. His left hand gripped its face, forcing the jaw shut as he pushed its snout towards the sky. Kurokomos was almost gentle, as it pushed through the throat anyway. The beast sagged in his grip, and as he tore the blade back out, it slumped at his feet. No. It was the enemies who fainted and dodged, who planned and strategized, who lured into traps and used numbers to their advantage. The monsters that would watch and wait, who would judge whether they were strong enough and if they weren't, would stack the deck in their favor, or wait until you were weak. It was the monsters with minds that were truly terrifying. They were the ones he feared. But this was fine. This was perfect. Beacon was a problem. It represented everything which filled his stomach with dread. It made his mind heavy and his heart ache. More so when he saw people like Pira, his partner and the first woman he had truly loved, look at him with disappointment or anger. When he saw Yang cringe when she met his eyes. When he saw distrust in Lake, the disappointment in Ren, the sadness Nora tried to keep hidden. It tore at him. That was to be expected. From all them, no less. He didn't think he could have loved them half as much if they had been the kind of people who would agree with how he acted. That wasn't like they knew the full story anyway. They never would. What use would it be? But to fill them with terror? They were all going to die. Whether they liked it or not. Whether he liked it or not. Getting close to them would just make it hurt all the more when they did. When he had to stand aside and run away while they did. That didn't mean it was easy either. Wise with her nagging, Yang with her teasing, hell. Even Blake's caddish looks filled him with not dread, but with fond amusement. The sheer amount of stress that caused inside was incredible. He couldn't deal with it. Already had gone and snapped at Carden. Will one of them be next? They might have been, were it not for this beautiful opportunity. 
<laughs> he laughed. The sound so loud and filled with joy that a few of the grim must have been baffled. His hair steamed across his face. Sweat dripped from his muscles, but his mind sang with the rush of combat. Grogamore sang too, as he took claws to the flat of it, tilting the blade gently so that they slid across it before reversing the grip and driving it up into the grim snout. Bone and cartilage gave way in a manner that could only be considered orgasmic, before all resistance stopped and the metal tore free. It shone red in the midday sun, so beautifully. They were no match for him, but just enough to get his blood pumping, and that was perfect. He was so sick and tired of people being a match for him, of crushing and killing him time and time again, that he'd forgotten what it was like to prove his superiority. And it was over something so unbashfully evil too. No guilt or hesitation, just the joy of doing something right. He whooped and dove in. These packs were so damn small, and he knew exactly who to blame for that. He wondered what that eccentric man would think if he knew Jean was out here, culling them before he could. It wasn't like they could launch children into a truly dangerous environment now, was it? And there was a good reason the biggest packs they'd come across in initiation had been two or three strong. The professor did enjoy his duty of breaking up larger group. And to think, his team had probably thought he was lying with the story of having seen the man in the forest. Perhaps he hadn't seen him in this lifetime, but the Grim were always excited after initiation. One of the teachers usually had to go in and make sure they didn't congregate into a pack or a small swarm. Blood flowed. Grim blood. Tainted and evil as Kurokamor's bit down. Beast roared. With nothing more than hatred and anger. But his laughter drowned them all out. It drowned out the sound of everything. <laughs> <laughs>